Ah, um, so how much is that? All right, welcome to the podcast editors mastermind. This is the show for podcast editors that want to focus on the business side of podcast editing. We don't necessarily talk about the nuts and bolts of what to cut and how, although that does sometimes come up. But this is really about the business, running a business, growing a business, all that kind of stuff. Uh, before we get into today's topic, I'm going to take just a minute to introduce ourselves. I'm Brian Ensminger. You can find me at toptieraudio.com. Below me is... I'm Daniel Abendroth. You can find me at rothmedia.audio. And today's guest is Tony Bottoms. And I'll take just a second to kind of introduce him because a lot of us may not know him. Tony started his first podcast back in 2014. Uh, he's now on his third podcast. And he actually <laughs> has a, a production company. He does podcast management, podcast editing, all from an RV because he's a digital nomad. And he's, uh, he's building up this business. And today we're going to talk about workflows which may not sound sexy but believe me if you're up at three in the morning trying to piece all those things together workflows matter a lot so tony welcome to the show thank you for having me i appreciate it yeah this is this is great so workflows are something that i like to nerd out about a little bit daniel may know that as well uh but i'm just wondering like i kind of framed this up but you're like you're into workflows so why don't you maybe tell us a little bit about what you mean when you say workflow and why it matters well when i talk about workflow i try to figure out what is the best way to do a sequence of things you know like with us if we're doing auto editing audio editing you know you got people dropping stuff into dropbox or into g drive or whatever and then you're moving it over to Descript or you're moving it to one place or another and what is the best workflow to make that go all nice and smooth and to where you don't have any hiccups and where you don't really have to think about it? Because if you're thinking about it, that's slowing you down. And we all know if you're doing multiple shows, you don't want to get slowed down. You want to, you want to pop through it as quick as you can and still good, do a good job. So for me, that's what I talk about when I talk about workflow is how's that all flowing together from the beginning to the end and getting your best, uh, product out that you can put out so i'm I'm wondering if we can maybe just kind of make this real uh would you be comfortable <laughs> sharing with us roughly the number of shows that you manage and edit and maybe how much time you generally spend in just the admin part where you would be doing the stuff like moving files copying things setting up setting up templates and stuff like that like do you have a general idea what that would be yeah right now i have well counting my show i have four shows that i do okay so yeah um but when I first started doing this, I was driving trucks for a living. So, you know, I might have a customer send me over an audio file at two o'clock in the afternoon. And if I'm driving a truck, I can't do anything with it. I got to move it. You know, I need to move it over to Descript, you know, so eventually. And in, as we all know, if you've ever dealt with Descript, it takes a while for those files to upload into Descript and for it to transcribe and all that. So that's when I started looking into stuff like Zapier and all that, trying to move the stuff over to get it to Descript or get it to where I need it to go. Um, so, well, short answer your question right now, I've got four shows kind of my own that I'm doing. So, um, you know, 
it's not such a big workload now as it was before. Oh, <laughs> Lights going dark on me. And I guess kind of where, where my head was is I've got um, currently nine shows that I work on. And right, right. My estimate, because I, I track the production work, but I don't track admin time, which is a failure right. on my part. But my estimate would be that for nine shows, which is what, 30-ish episodes a month, I probably spend an hour to an hour and a half a week in admin, like making sure stuff got checked off, making sure that things get done. And I do have some automations in there. So like, I'm looking at this going, could I get back another hour of that? Right, right. right. Yeah. And see, like, uh, one of the things I do is, uh, one of my, most of my clients use Dropbox. We use Dropbox to move files back and forth. And so I did have a client that you like G drive. They used to like to use Google drive. So, with Zapier, you can set it up to where it automatically, if something shows up in a file or it shows up in a folder, it automatically sends it where you want it to go. So for with me, for example, my client will set it, send it into Dropbox and it automatically sends it over to Descript. So it can be Descript can be working on that, uh, doing the transcripts and all that. And I don't even have to be there. And then when I get there now, it does cause a little bit more reorganization when you do get into Descript because it just throws all the files in there. So everything's like loaded up on top of each other. It's not, you know, stretched mm. out in a sequence like it's supposed to be. So yeah, you do have to kind of move them around, but you're not sitting there waiting for it to upload and do the transcription and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, in my workflow, um, probably the, like the thing, the easy way out, but I just hire somebody to do it. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I have, I have an assistant that, um, so, and we can talk about this a little bit later. It's like getting your clients to conform to your method. Um, yes. but whenever the clients submit their episode and like all their files, my assistant will take that, fill out my spreadsheet that I have. And we can talk about that later. Um, Builds all that out and then downloads the files into my Dropbox so that way whenever I go to work on it, we have a special folder for each show where I can find all the raw files. Right. Yeah. And I, I kind of do it that way. Um, I have files for each shows. Actually, I have multiple files for like one episode. Um, but like if, if you're used to using Descript, when I use a, a the Adobe suite. So I use Adobe audition, Adobe premiere and all that. I do have a couple clients who are YouTube uh, people. So I get video files from them and you want to talk about a long time to download. <laughs> and like I said, I'm out here on the road, so I got to make sure I'm hooked up to a Wi-Fi cause I don't want to be using my cell phone data to be pulling down those video files or uploading them. But Descript, you can uh, export it as a, audition session so it automatically sets that session up for you and it gives you the files at the same time um the one drawback to it is if you're wanting to use that the new studio sound that descript has for some reason right now if you export your session as an uh, audition session it doesn't do the sound studio so you have to download those files separately and add them back in. So that's kind of 
I don't know. Hopefully they're working on that. <laughs> I don't know. They seem to be doing a lot of stuff, but you know, and then the good thing Before about, we go move ahead. on real quick. I just want to talk about like the, why like workflow is so important. Um, and I think you highlight a perfect example. If you're on the road or for a lot of us, but not me, but for a lot of our audience and a lot of podcast editors, this is a side hustle and they have a full-time job. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so while like, yeah, downloading files, it's easy, you know, it's that time that you can, while you're at your day job, if this is automating in the background. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Like I said, when I used to drive over the road, it's like, I can't be driving down a road playing with my phone, you know, and, <laughs> I mean, to yeah. some extent. But, the, the rest of us yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> But like while you're while you're driving on the road while Brian's at work, all these files are coming in. Whenever you go home and get to sit down and like work on it, boom! Like everything's right there, ready for you. Yeah, yeah. That and that's for me. That was why I started because I started picking up two or three clients, and with two or three clients working a full time job, I was running run ragged just with you know three clients. And mm -hmm. I'm like, there's got to be an easier way to do this. So then I started looking into and start researching how to do this. And I don't even know if I found the best solution. I'll be honest with you. I just found what worked for me, you know? So let me, let me just reassure you. There is no best solution. <laughs> I have tried countless different options, spent a ton of money trying to find that perfect solution. It doesn't exist. So like whatever yeah. works for you. And see, that's the other thing too, is I try to find the stuff that doesn't cost money. I know there's a lot of stuff out there that you can buy. And I was like, you know, so I'm on a budget, you know, my budget for my side hustle was what I was bringing in for my clients. And at first, you know, it wasn't all that much. And it's still, it, it could be better, but cause I was getting uh, my first two clients I got were off of Upwork. So, I mean, you can imagine that, I mean, they're paying okay, but they weren't paying really what they should be paying, mm -hmm. you know? And then I just slowly kind of started inching up on prices and we're kind of getting better to where it needs to be. There you go. Love to hear that. So you mentioned prices and this isn't a workflow thing, but I've, I've tried two approaches with pricing. One is that every time I get a client that says, yes, the next client, I charge more yes. until I start getting 50% no's. Uh, the other one is putting together a pricing sheet and dating it and saying this is good till the end of whatever quarter that we're in and then every quarter reevaluate whether or not that's accurate but always presenting that to new clients not necessarily the old clients so then the old clients when it's time to renew if if i want to raise prices it's very easy for me to say this is my rate it's not like i'm raising my rate on you this is my rate people are paying this this is what i've published right um, I, I don't know do you do something similar yeah i Maybe not every quarter, but once a year, I'll usually do a rate increase. Now, my very first client that I ever got, which was off of Upwork, I still have him. And technically, I got a double pay raise, but I didn't really raise the rates. He decided he only wanted to do uh, twice a month instead of every week. And but we kept the price the same. <laughs> so, there you go. I was like, <laughs> but I do, I do do some other stuff for him. I do, um, like I do voiceover for him and stuff like that. Like I intro his show and his ads and stuff like that. So, I mean, 
it all works out the same. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, you know, he, he if he asked me to do something, pretty much I'll say, yeah, because he was my first client and he's been with me ever since. So it's like, okay, sure. Whatever. You know? Yeah. So I'm thinking about workflows and we've mentioned how these can be a real time saver just in case there might be somebody that's watching or listening later and going, would you guys stop talking about this and just tell me how can I, how can I automate and make this stuff better? <laughs> if you're sitting down with somebody and had the opportunity to say, Hey, let's just pick off one or two things that are really going to help you with your production. Where would you start? That one's tough. Um, have somebody edit for you. <laughs> we, we don't do easy questions. <laughs> now, um, Probably the Zapier one, that one probably helped me out the most was because it, it just saves so much time for me is to send it over to, it automatically sends it to Descript, you know, um, that was probably the one that, what I was doing before that is I didn't use RX and I used to get the audio do, uh, send it to RX then send it to Descript for the the, tra the transcripts mm -hmm. and then send it back to Audition. But now it's a better workflow where it goes to Descript. And then while it's sitting there in Audition, that's the nice thing about Audition is I can edit that file, you know, like run it through RX and it automatically changes in Audition. So, you know, next time I bring it up, you know, it's not a whole new file. It just automatically fits it in there for me. And then I can go through and do all my edits and then I can throw it over into my template. That's the other thing. Tim, that actually that's the answer to the question right there. Templates, <laughs> Template. templates, template, 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 everything you do, RX. Um, I have a whole, what's it called? A module in RX. Mm -hmm. I got that set up for each client, you know, well, m almost all my clients, I use the same module and it's a whole string of things I do like D click, D noise, voice, D noise, just set them all up. And so all you got to do is hit the button. And other than uh spec was it spectral D noise where mm -hmm. you have to, it has to learn um, everything else just runs through it. It just go through every single file in audition. Um, I have templates, you know, I have a, not necessarily a template, but, um, like for most of my clients, my the people, you know, are going to be the same every single time my workflow, my, you know, I got EQ, uh, compression, EQ, compression, DS, or, you know, that's all the same. It never changes on them. I got that little template and now I pretty much do the same thing on their, their guests because everybody that I have as a client has a guest. They are, they're all, you know, interview type podcast and their guests stay the same, but then you have to just kind of go in there and tweak it a little bit, you know, same thing with the, you know, the host, you got to tweak a little bit, but usually not very much. So the, yeah, that would, that would definitely be my answer is templates. You want templates. <laughs> <laughs> so. Do the uh, do the templates or the systems ever break down and fail you? I have not ever had that problem. Really? Not, the only no, I haven't had an issue yet. Uh, uh, I think maybe one time with Descript, and that was it. But other than that, I mean, I have lost files before, but I think that was more on me than it was on anything else. <laughs> yeah, but I, and th that's the other thing. I always like 
my my clients send me their stuff in Dropbox. I do not take it out of Dropbox. I let it sit in Dropbox, and then I leave. I the files that I'm messing with are on my computer, and usually I'll have like two copies of those. And then once everything's said and done, I have an external hard drive. I take the files off of Dropbox and put them on my external hard drive as well as my finished files. That way, if anything ever happens, I always, because I've done that before, I raced them off of Dropbox and was working on them and then lost them. And then I had to go back to the client, go, hey, can you resend those to me? And all that work that I had just done, I lost. So I had to do it all over again. So... Yeah, that was definitely, you keep multiple copies. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm talking to my brother from another mother. <laughs> I, I leave the Dropbox files. I have a copy on my computer. It's backed yep. up to a solid state drive and my time machine backup. When I'm done, I've got a copy of the final file loaded to Google Drive, and I've got the se- session file zipped up and loaded to Dropbox. So I've got like stuff everywhere. Yeah. So <laughs> I got you. Um, Daniel, did did we want to hit those uh questions from the chat yeah so the first one um from milamir javanovic and i'm so sorry if i'm mispronouncing that um so we've talked about zapier so can you explain uh tony just like what zapier is exactly zapier is a you see them they're like a i don't really know how to explain them it's a software that you can link anything to anything basically that would that's what they ta- that's what they say is um you know there's all kinds of different applications it was i got turned on to it because one of my clients is a sales professional he's a sales trainer so he talks about sales and i guess some of their crm and some of their sales stuff doesn't talk very well together so zapier you can have it like you have a client list that you want moved over to uh, email list, you know, like a lot of people use it for that way, a CRM to MailChimp, you know, and it, it's just this link in between. So you can move something from one software to another software and they can talk together when they normally wouldn't talk together. That thing, that's the easiest way, the best way I think I can explain it. Yeah, and Brian, don't you use it in your workflow? I do. And there's a couple ways that I use it. I've got a couple clients that load files directly to a shared Dropbox folder. And so I have Zapier or Zapier when they yeah, do that. I don't that. know how to say it. Yeah. When they, when <laughs> they do that, Zapier there's a... because they call them Zaps. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I have the software set up so that when that file shows up, it, it creates a task for me in my task management system. And it also creates a row for me in a tracking form that I have in a Google Sheet. I've got another client who uses uh, Trello internally and i have several shows that are hers it's a subcontracting agreement where i'm basically fitting into her workflow i don't use trello myself so i have another zap set up so that when those files show or those cards show up in the appropriate column list (laughs) thing wherever they're supposed to be for me to work on them it creates that task for me in uh in clickup is what i use now, it's not perfect. There's still manual work that comes after yeah. that because I have to populate things like the due date and some other stuff. But it it's there waiting for me. So when I get off work at five and have dinner and then come back to work for the evening, that stuff is there saying, hey, you've got some more work to do. Here's where it is. That, that's that's how I, for me, it's like the monkey in the middle that just says, yeah. oh, a light turned on. Let's go do this thing. 
-hmm. Yeah, the drawback to it is with audio files, if your clients are sending WAV files, if it's over a certain size, it doesn't like to send it. Yeah, and I I don't do file transfers at all. Yeah, it's best if if they can do MP3s. And video, forget video. It's... (laughs) It's never going to work. So not until they open it up a little bit. And I, even on the paid subscription, I don't think you get any better um, file size. So there's some drawbacks to it. Yeah. And we had another question from Mark. We'll hit that. His question is, is Descript worth it if you're only using it for filler words? I wonder if it would help my workflow. It's pretty easy for me to just remove them using my DAW, which is Reaper in his case. I would say yes, because depending on how many ums your client has, I've, I had a guest one time that I think it said it pulled out a thousand ums. So it was like an hour long, hour and a half long show. Oh, it was wow. like a thousand ums, a thousand ums and ahs. So yeah, that saved me a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. And that, I don't know that I've ever had any with more than like 300, uh, but there was definitely value there. I actually stopped using it for the um removal and maybe you can open me back up to it. But I, it seemed like at the time it was either creating really bad cuts yes. where it was cutting half a breath or it was smushing things together. Like it would see an um and it would just cut everything after that um until the next word that it re- recognized, which was in the middle of a sentence. Like it was, it, it, it got to where I, I just stopped. <laughs> they have a setting now that, and I quit using the one like where it just deletes the word. You could, they have a setting now where it creates a gap where that word is. Um, and so instead of actually deleting it, it just, it, I think it calls it ignores. It ignores the um or the ah or the whatever. So it leaves you a nice little gap there. So you can go through and like you said, yeah, I noticed what you were saying. That was like a few months ago it would cut off a word and then you would slide. Well, because I had audition, I could just slide that bar over and figure out where the word was supposed to have been cut at. And yeah, it was, it was cutting out like whole sections of sentences and stuff like that. But now they got that uh, ignore and then you'll see it when you tell it, it you'll it'll, uh, start spinning down at the bottom and it'll say uh, optimizing. Mm-hmm cat gaps or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it says. So they're working on it. It's a little bit better now than it was for sure. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. That was that was a pain in the butt when it was doing that stuff. So, um, and I guess the other thing I would mention, Mark, is uh, if you are using Descript, I know that you can export a Reaper session. So you yes. don't necessarily have to export the final file if you do want to just de-um it. Um, I've not really used it as an editor per se i just used it for de-umming or if i needed a transcript to determine where to cut a multi-part that kind of thing yeah um, i can't i i've tried using it as a as an editor i can't do it that's just uh, I, I couldn't uh, either <laughs> yeah, but I it's great used, go ahead i'm sorry i'll say i haven't used um i haven't used the script since like they first kind of did the de-ummer thing mm-hmm. and it was just so rough that i yeah. It was more work to fix what it did than it actually just to do it myself manually. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, 
I wonder if it's like improved enough to make it worth it. Because I know a lot of people love using Descript as their initial pass through. But I just yeah, and that's basically what I do with it. I, yeah, I think it has. There are times where you know, like Brian was saying, it'll take a little too much out. But like I said, with audition, for me, it's just sliding that bar over and opening mm-hmm. back up. You know, because it's non-destructive, so I can open up that bar. And go okay, well, yeah, it, it stopped it at the um but then it took too much you know down it's definitely gotten better and they're always it seems like they're always they're like every time i open up the script i'll see the little message pop up saying hey there's been an update you restart every you know, time so every, every, almost every single time yeah <laughs> but they don't true. tell you right away they wait until you start loading a file yeah, and yeah it's like, like, oh, hey by true. the way do you want to re- no i don't want to restart right now Not right now <laughs> <laughs> but they did do a big update, uh, I'd say about a month ago. There's a big update. They added a bunch of stuff. Um, and most of that was this, the studio sound that they, because it was in beta and now it's not in beta anymore. So um, it's actually full blown, you know, in production, I guess is how you, pre- what you would call it. I don't know. But yeah, the editor that I outsource to has, he uses studio sound sometimes. Yeah. I think it's a good, um, starting point that I guess would be, um, it does, it does tighten up your sound a little bit, you know? So, you know, if you get that kind of a roomy sound, you know, you can tighten it up. It does make it sound like you're in a tighter studio. Mm -hmm. Um, but it can, if there's too much bad audio, that's not really what I want to say, but if it's, you know, you got too much echo or something like that, it can leave artifacts. So mm-hmm. then you will have to go through and run it through RX, which I do anyhow. So um, it can, it can create some artifacts in it too. So. Yeah. I've, I've had really mixed results with it. I've, I've tested it a couple times. Yeah. Uh, once because I had a file where the room reflections were so bad that to even get a reasonable audio out of it from RX, it like just decimated yeah. the audio. Like it was just, it's like, well, it can't get worse. Let's try studio sound. <laughs> and it actually did a pretty good job. Then I, I tried another time and it, it sounded like a robot talking when they got done. Yeah. I don't mean like, like, um, the, I think the source audio was bad enough that it went, when it tried to use the AI to reconstruct it, it just kind of guessed at what the voices were supposed to sound like. And so right. the voices didn't sound terrible. They just didn't sound like the person, if that makes well, sense. Well, the new one, the new update they did, you can go in there and adjust how much of that studio sound you want. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I had a file here like two or three weeks ago where the guest was using their laptop microphone so mm-hmm. we used that used it on it and it did kind of give it that robotic sound but then you could kind of dial it back a little bit and get more of what the real sound was and kind of get that nice little as best as possible that balance in between the two and that worked out pretty good and then i ran it through rx i i personally think the studio sound does a better job at reverb than rx does you know or not not i'm sorry not reverb at crosstalk uh because i have some i have a youtube guy 
and he does live interviews and they're in a little basement. And sometimes if he gets like two other guests in there, you'll start getting some mic bleed. And I think studio sound does better with the mic bleed than RX does with their mic bleed. And it does it faster. You know, RX does a good job at the mic bleed, but sometimes you got to run it through three or four times to really get it knocked down to where, you know, you can throw a gate on it and, and hide it with a gate or something like that. So, you know, it's playing with it sometimes, but I think, I think it does a pretty good job at that. So we've touched on it a little bit, but just for clarity, can you take us through like your whole workflow process? Okay. So usually file, put, uh, excuse me, a client will put their files in Dropbox. I'll take the Dropbox and I'll, uh, Zapier will send it over to Descript. It goes to Descript. I, you know, obviously got to rearrange it a little bit, you know, especially if it's an interview and, you know, you got the intro and then you got your interviews. So then you got to kind of slide them a little bit. Once I'm done with that, I do the, uh, take out the filler words. Uh, I send that as over to audition as a audition session. Um, and then at the same time, I also send the transcripts over. So I always I have the transcripts are sitting there. I don't have to worry about them anymore. Um, and then once I'm in audition, I'll run those files because Descript will send not only your, your audition session, but also send you your files, you know, whatever your, your, how many files you have. I'll run those through RX. So when I do open up audition, I've already got that all done. And I'll go through and I'll do my detailed editing, you know, uh, go all the way through that. I don't really worry about sound, you know, as far as adjusting EQ and all that. And then once that's done, um, I push it over to, I say template. Usually what I do is I take whatever the last episode was and I bring that over. I just rename it and then I just use it as a template is basically what I do. Then I put everything in the the episode, and then I, that's when I worry about sound and EQ and compression and all that. Uh, when I first my first run through doing the detailed editing, all I'm listening for is you know them stumbling over each other or breaths, because usually I'll put a slight gate on there to for breaths and stuff like that. Some people, I mean, if you put a gate on there, you're going to kill them on there on their voice because they're so bad at it, you know, so they breathe so hard. Um, and then once that's all done, um, uh, obviously I save it. And then most of my clients, I upload them for, uh, most of my clients are with Buzzsprout. That's who I have them with. You know, there's one person who's not with Buzzsprout, um, but they do their own uploading. But so then, and that's another thing you, you can use Zapier for, is I haven't done that yet. That's something I need to look at. Have you done that, Brian, where you load it in the file and automatically sends it to Buzzsprout? Uh, well, actually, I use Hindenburg, and I can set up publishing oh, destinations there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot you do use. You can. They say you can do it out of Descript, too, but you know, I, I don't want to kick it all the way back over to Descript all over again. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, because then you're just using more of your <laughs> hours, right? Right, like, right. Because you're already getting... Like if you've got an hour long episode with three 
people, that's already three hours of processing, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the cool thing with, I haven't tried it. I heard somebody talk about it. It was like, you can replace the file that's in Descript mm -hmm. and, it's, and it'll kind of like redo it again without charging you the hours, I guess. Uh, I don't, I haven't tried that yet, but I was like, I don't know if that would work very well because there's sometimes like somebody who wants to lose their access to the software. <laughs> <laughs> well, I almost everybody I have just pretty much all gives me authority to do content um, editing also. So there might be like, I'll cut out whole sentences sometimes or whole, like if the, the host asks a question and the guest kind of stumbles or whatever, or doesn't ever really answer the question. I'll just cut out that whole question, you know? So I, everybody I have gives me authority to do that. So, you know, I, you, you can't really do that because if you throw it back in there, that's going to throw off your transcripts too, mm -hmm. you know? So. Brian, do you want to lead us through your workflow? Um, yeah, but before I do, I'd like for, uh, we had a question in the chat. Uh, Mil Milamir, I hope I got that right. I apologize if I've messed up your name. Uh, wants to know how long it takes you to do all of that. Well, the Zapier to Descript doesn't take me any time at all because it's going one, you know, it just automatically does it. Going into Descript and doing all that in Descript, maybe 15 minutes at the most. You know what I mean? Because and it it shoots it out of Descript to Audition pretty quick. It's pretty fast. Transcripts are like almost instantaneous. Uh, now, my detail editing, it, well, my RX, RX usually takes... I don't know. I usually turn it on and go do something else, quite frankly, because especially when you're doing that, the whole module thing, um, usually I'll send it. But you know, I'd say that probably takes, depending on how long the file is, maybe 15 minutes also. Um, if you get like an hour long or like we we're talking about the D bleed, the uh, uh, RX's D bleed, that can take a while. I mean, because at first it's got to learn it and then you got to run it. And that can, you might as well just go do something else because you're going to be sitting there for a while. That's kind of why I kind of like Descript for, or yeah, Descript for that. Um, but now my detailed editing, all pretty much all my shows that I do the detail editing for are like 30 minutes. So that usually takes me, depending on the guests, usually about an hour to do 30 minutes, maybe a little bit less and maybe a little bit more. So all in all, for a 30 minute show, I've probably got two hours into it. That's probably about right. You know, depending on the show, you know, how they sometimes, you know, depending on the guest, you know, so probably about two hours for a 30 minute show. Cool. Uh, so my workflow, let's, uh, I'll work with the one that's got the, where I subcontract for, so we can just kind of work through that process. So she has cards on Trello that, once she drops that into the appropriate list, it will automatically create a, a workflow or a task for me in ClickUp and also a, a Google Sheet row. And I use those for different tracking things because ClickUp isn't good at tracking, um, doing calculations, basically, and Google Sheets is. Um, I'll go in and fill out the missing information, like the due dates and um, that kind of stuff, so I can kind of plan my workflow. 
And then uh, once that's done, I'll drop load. I'll grab the files from Dropbox, uh, stick them in a template folder. I just have template folders for each of the shows that have all of the stuff in them that I need. Uh, pull the files out, drop them into um, Hindenburg, and then I'll go through and do the RX process, which, depending on how bad it is, can take quite a bit of time or not much time at all. Um, and then go through and do the editing in Hindenburg, uh, mix it down, try and get it to within about a half a decibel of the loudness standard, uh, check that, make sure that everything's good, no clipping or anything like that, drop it back into Hindenburg one last time, uh, as just a stereo mix and then use a publishing destination to send it to Dropbox or the file service, whatever it is that it needs to go to, uh, tidy up my task list and keep track of how much time it took me to do all this stuff and then go on to the next one. So not nearly as much fun automation. Sorry. <laughs> like I said, I always like to hear what other people do just because you always seem to get ideas off of somebody, you know, like you were talking about with like the Google sheets and stuff like that. I need to get better at tracking. I know as I get more clients, I'm going to need to be better at organizing who's due when and you know, what's yeah. due when and all that. I mean, I, like I said, I've played around with Trello and I've played around with Asana and some of the other ones. I haven't really played around. I've looked at ClickUp, but I don't think I've actually played with it yet. Um, yeah. So one of the things that I like about ClickUp is they have the ability to view all of your tasks on your thing, regardless of what show they're for, or what workflow or anything all at once in what I would call like a Gantt chart view. Yeah, so I can okay, look at yeah, one yeah. week and I can see, and based on color, I can see whether or not they're done or not. And so I can look at it and go, when is this due and have I done it yet? And very quickly see. And then it also, I'm on the paid plan. It gives me the ability to estimate the amount of time. And then I've put uh -huh. in how much time I have per day. And it can flag those days as over capacity. So I can immediately know I'm going to have a problem on Thursday or whatever okay. day that is and start planning appropriately. So like if I see that next week I'm going to have some challenges, I might pull some work into the weekend, for example. Okay. Yeah. Oh, see, wow. that was the main thing I was looking for was a Gantt chart. I, Cause that's, <clears throat> you yeah. know, that's what I'm kind of used to is, and I was like, I was really, that's what I was looking for. And Asana, you can do that, but only one at a time. And I'm like, that is helpful, but it doesn't really help me. I want, you know, if I've got several shows going on, you know, I want to know, okay, I need to start you know, doing D script on this one and this one's got to be posted by, you know, so yeah, that's what I was looking for. But I heard ClickUp, you got to build it a lot more, I guess. It's from my know. understanding. I have <laughs> one client who uses Asana. I despise Asana. Um, and so, but uh, I, I tried it. I really, really wanted to like it years ago. I really wanted to like it. Um, I even they even have zaps so that you can do stuff with Asana and click. Yeah. Yeah. Everything except flagging it and creating a task when it gets into a particular list. Like so I don't need to worry about the the episodes until they're ready for me. I don't right. care what's in the backlog. I care about what's due right now. And the only way I can add something to ClickUp is when they tag me and add me to the card. Well, they add me to the card when they create it, right? Right. Because all they're doing is copying a template. And saying, okay, now these are the files. This is all the thing. And so this particular client is 15, 20 episodes ahead all the time, like dream client. But I have to go, 
I have to wait for the show notes to be done before I can do my part so that I can get all that stuff done. And so I'm always checking back. It's Thursday that they publish. So it's always like Wednesday night. I'm going, don't forget <laughs> to check it. Don't forget to check right, it. Right, right. And then I check it and it's like, you know, the show notes are, are not available. So then I've got to like reach out to the guy and say, are we going to have them or what? Right. Uh, so yeah, uh, not a fan. Uh, but that's not his fault, right? That's just right. that's what Asana makes available. Uh, ClickUp, I really, really like. Um, I'll, have to, I'll have to look at that perfect, one again. But yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah, I turned down a client because they're like, yeah, I got a uh, we'll post it. You'll get it Wednesday and it has to be posted by Thursday. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. You know, not in the position. I, I Nowadays I could, but not then I couldn't. You know, there's no way. And if if I remember right, um, are you're a side hustle editor? Is that right? So you're balancing like multiple things. I was okay. um, since I've basically semi-retired. I guess <laughs> for lack of a better term, this is pretty much it. You know, um, we when we sold the farm and moved into the RV, that pretty much took away you know my income as far as that's concerned. But I mean. It didn't take it away. I gave it up, but also I get disability from being in the military. So that helps that it helps. I got that about the same time. So that kind of helped me make that transition. So now I'm in the mode of trying to build up my client list, my clientele and all that kind of stuff. Of course, I haven't been doing a good job at that here lately either. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. You know? So it's Daniel, a good time to oh, work go on your workflow. I was, uh, there's a good time to work on your workflow before you have a ton of clients. Yes. Because yes. Like, once you have a ton, trying to get everybody moved to a new system and like trying to figure it out then, you're like, A, you know, under the burden of an inefficient workflow that you're trying to get ahead of in order to make it efficient and two, just trying to get a ton of people switch over to something new. So if you can figure it out now, while you, yeah. while you have, you know, three or four clients, use that time well, the, to really streamline it. Then well, the like, saying, it's a lot easier to build up. Yeah. The saying that I always, that brings in my mind on that one is you drink the well before you're thirsty. And I don't know where I picked that up from, but it, it's definitely applicable. You know, mm -hmm. drink, you dig it now because later on you can just go get a drink of water and not have to worry about it. Yeah. Exactly. But, but sometimes it's, you don't know what you don't know either. So you'll get into a situation like I was getting into, like I said, on the truck. And I was like, man, I, I really need to, you know, somehow figure out how to get this file over here. And so, you, you know, you're doing it manually and it's like, you know, you didn't, I didn't know. And then I happened to be, I don't know, watching a YouTube or listening to a podcast or something. And somebody mentions Zapier and I'm like, Oh, Hey, let me go check it out. You know? So, you know, like I said, you don't know what you don't know. So yeah, and sometimes you don't know your inefficiency until right. That's true too. Yeah, <laughs> well, you get overwhelmed. And I wanted to kind of bring that up because uh, it's also possible to over-engineer a system and create yeah. your own inefficiency. Uh, that's probably the camp that I'm more likely to fall into. And so I'm looking to you guys <laughs> to provide me a little guidance of when to turn it off and just let the thing run. Well, you know, it's kind of like. Listen to Chris Kern. I, I I really enjoy listening to him, but sometimes I think 
a lot of the stuff that he does for us, it doesn't really matter. You know, I mean, that's great. He's, you know, he's working for multi-million dollar businesses and stuff like that, you know, that pay him hundreds or thousands of dollars. Most of my people are everyday people. And it's like, Hey, look, if it sounds good, it sounds good. It doesn't have to be studio quality, you know? So it kind of the same way. It's kind of like, like a, you know, I've talked to Glenn Hebert a lot, you know, cause him and I go through horses, you know, we do horse shows and it's like, we're not going to get the most efficient sound quality as possible. Cause I mean, I did a episode when I was out with uh, distance horses, they were doing long distances, you know, I'm out in the middle of a nowhere, you know, got my little pod track P4 with me, which is, better than it used to be it used to be a phone you know and you know it is what it is you know sometimes you know what's good enough is good you're what's good is good enough how i don't know how how that saying works so yeah but i'm with you brian i mean i like the little buttons and all that and the 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 systems you know the the charts and all that kind of stuff but not everybody does and sometimes it slows you down you know sometimes it's you don't need the chart to tell you what the weather is when you can look out the window and see that, Hey, yeah, it's raining <laughs> outside. Yeah. So. That's, that's usually how I figure out that I've reached catastrophic <laughs> failure. Like once the system breaks down that. So Daniel, you have people in the middle of your system instead of software mm-hmm. primarily. Yeah. Um, how does that work for you? <clears throat> Really well, because I don't have to worry about a system breaking down. <laughs> Just a person. Yeah. Uh, so far, she's been super reliable. Um, so everything is run. I use Airtable. Um, and so and if you don't know how Airtable works, essentially, it's like I call it it's a cross between like a spreadsheet and a database system. So it's a lot more functionality than um, a simple spreadsheet. But it's not as like complicated as a full database. Um, and so I have like one main database essentially. They call it bases. So my main base is where like all of my work is, and then each client has their own base, and they have full access to it. And they go into their base, and they can use that to like plan ahead. So if they want to like map out their next few episodes, they can. Um, but that's where they either they drop in all their information, so have a space for like their title, their show notes. Um, in a place either upload their files directly to Airtable or they can put a link to Dropbox, Google Drive, or whatever. Um, and then once they submit an episode, my assistant then takes all their information, puts it in my base. So essentially, she's my Zapier, um, puts it in my base, and then downloads the files for me. And then um, she has access to my Dropbox so that she'll put them in um the proper folder so i have like each client has their own folder and then in that folder there's like the audio assets which is like their music intro whatever like a folder for all their projects and then a folder for all their raw media so then she'll drop all that media in that folder so whenever i go to work on it i can just pop that open um and then from there i take it into rx clean it up there bring it into Reaper. Unfortunately, Reaper doesn't have uh, like the publishing option, which would be really cool to have. <laughs> um, so then I just manually upload it everywhere. So I actually have a thought about that one, though, because there are software 
solutions that will connect, for example, a Dropbox or a uh, a location on your computer to an FTP push, that kind of thing. Mm. Have you you can you can specify where you want the file to like the final file to be rendered to, right? Yeah. I'm wondering if, and I don't know, because I don't really yeah. use Reaper that much. Is there a way to specify where that goes and have that be a network accessible drive of some kind or something yeah. like a Dropbox folder where something like Zapier could see that file and load it to, uh, I think Simplecast is the one that you prefer, right? Captivate now. Okay. Me too. And, yeah. and I know that they have the Zapier integration there. So um, Interesting. Okay, now I have something to look up. Uh, it doesn't pull over the, the text and stuff, but it'll pull over the file mm. and create a draft for you. That would be cool if it could pull like the metadata, the ID3 yes. tags, and populate it that way. It would be, wouldn't it? Um, so I know with Hindenburg, when it pushes over to Libsyn, it'll it'll pull that stuff from the MP3 tags. Um, but Captivate, it doesn't seem to do that. And I've noticed, I tried the Zapier one as well. As well. And it, all it did was, I think it pulled in the file and then created an episode name that was just the date or something. So then you got to go in and fill all of that out. But still, mm. it's a step you don't have to wait for once it's done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have another question from the chat. Are you guys okay if we go to the chat? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was reading that. Yeah. Cool. So Mark is asking, do your podcasts involve remote interviews? If so, do you have them record locally for the best audio quality? Or do you just rely on Skype, Zoom, Cleed, Feed, whatever? Um, so for this show, uh, we do uh, ask our guests to record locally, and we also record locally. And assuming that there are no issues, then we're able to use that. We also, um, I'm recording a local copy of myself plus the inbound, and then we also have the Facebook copy just in case because we don't trust technology. Uh, <laughs> um, I have several clients that use Zoom against my um, recommendation. And I also have a couple that use, I think they're using Squadcast or something similar. Um, one of the shows, they're pretty astute. I'm pretty sure that they're doing local recordings as well, because uh, they're interviewing engineers and stuff, uh, audio engineers and stuff. So like people that know how to hook all the things together. Um, couple of the shows I don't know. What about you guys? So I have two shows that record locally. Um, one hasn't done it, so they both do in person. One hasn't done it since the pandemic, and another one just started doing it. And I love it because they have like SM7Bs. They have like a sound treated <laughs> room. And it's just like, oh, it sounds so good. Um, a few against my wishes use Zoom. Um, if they use Zoom, I implore them to record separately. I have one client that wants to record um, to the cloud, so which isn't an option to have separate <laughs> tracks. No, 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 don't, don't, don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, I just got a file today from one of my clients. He uses Zoom. He was using Zencaster. We had a lot of problems with Zencaster, so he started using Zoom. And he just had eye surgery, and he hit the wrong button, and it did it to the cloud instead of locally. Uh, mm -hmm. And he sent me other files, and I was like, "Dude, you got both both tracks?" He's like, "No, I'm sorry." So I was like, "We'll make it work." Yeah, um, but for most of my clients, I recommend something like ZenCaster or uh, Riverside. And if they hire me to do to handle the remote engineering, I use Riverside. For, for me, for my personal show. I 
most of the people I deal with are not very tech savvy. So I rely on whatever it is I'm using, you know, restream. Usually, mostly it's what I use is restream. Uh, most of my clients use uh, whatever technology, like I say, and I just had a client that he was using Zencash. He had a lot of problems, so he started using Zoom. Um, another client of mine is like yours. They He has people in the room, so he use, he's got SM58s, and he's got – he had a Zoom H6, but he's in Jersey, and when that hurricane came through, it flooded his basement and killed his Zoom H6. Oh, no. And I told him about the pod track, so he went and got a pod track. Dude, I'm going to tell you what, that sounds so much better. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but the, the pod track sounds so much better than the H6. Um, and, but most of them use, they rely on technology. They rely on who, whoever they're recording. You know, I try to, you, if they're using a product where they can get separate channels to get separate channels. Almost everybody does separate channels, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, like uh, I know some of them like Squadcast does local to local on the computer. So um, I got one person who uses Squadcast. Yeah, I find that it's not worth the. So I, I mean, obviously, I'd prefer everybody to record locally. Right. Um, but to ask a guest to record locally if they're not like podcasters, yes. I find that it's just, it's <laughs> usually kind of a bit of an ask. So just being able to send them a link to Zencaster or Riverside and get, you know, local recording quality without the hassle, I find it's just a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my one client, the, the, the guy who's a sales trainer, um, he's in Australia and he calls you U.S. and Britain and all that. And a lot of people he talked to are, are podcasters. Mm. And I'm like, dude, you're talking to podcasters. Get them to record locally and send you the, the file or send me the file. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, I never thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have had a couple of podcasters, though, that are like, yeah, I don't know how to do that. And I'm like, uh, how? How are you, you every week? <laughs> um, but but you know what? To be fair, I know that there are a couple of courses out there that basically just teach everybody to record um, using something like Zoom, right? So whether they're recording a monologue or recording an interview, they just open up Zoom and they record that. Well, yeah. if you're connected on another internet service, they're not going to know how to record locally because they can't fire up Zoom to record. Yeah, that's probably but, true, yeah. Um. As we, as we get ready to close it out, we do have a Poddex question of the day. I've got five cards out, and since you're the guest, I need you to pick a number between one and five. Yeah, let's go right in the middle, three. Three. <laughs> this is going to oh, be fun. No. This is not at all going to be podcast-related, because I can't figure out how to make this podcast-related. <laughs> uh, and we do actually have a Poddex question, so I'm not just making this up. Um Today's question is, if there was a sandwich named after you, what would be on it? Uh, for those in the chat, uh, you can go ahead and answer. I'm going to go with, not because I want it or because it's like me, but I'm going to go with bologna because I think a lot of people think I'm full of that. So. <laughs> How about you, Daniel? Uh, I don't know what kind of sandwich, but flavors that... Don't okay, something like um like a peanut butter and butter. Flavors that on the a surface sound really weird <laughs> and doesn't seem like it'd go together, but actually tastes pretty good. 
Nice. What was that? Elvis used to eat peanut butter and mayonnaise or something like that. Some something oh, weird. Probably something cucumber. Like, I think peanut butter and banana? I, could be. I don't know. <laughs> How about you, Mr. Tony? I don't know. If you talk to my wife, it'd be something that gets stuck in your throat and bites your back, you know? It's kind of rough, you know? But um, I don't know. I think I'm kind of smooth, so peanut butter, but, you know, you know very different nice. perspective, right? <laughs> Yeah, and also it <laughs> sticks in your throat on the way down, so it's right. two wins. I like it. Cool. Well, Tony, this has been great. I appreciate you going over your workflow with us and spending some time hanging out and talking nerd stuff. Um, we'll go back around and just take a second to, inter- uh, to say goodbye to everybody. Um, but before we do that, before I forget, Daniel, if somebody wants to be a guest on this show, what should they do? All you got to do is go to podcast editors mastermind slash be a guest fill out the form it'll go to my spam and eventually i'll check and see your message and reach out to you and get you on the show cool and uh as we sign off uh for, I, you know what i'm i'm the host and i'm just totally screwing this up for those of you that joined us live uh thanks for being here we appreciate your questions your comments your silly limericks we didn't actually have any of those but if we had we would have appreciated those uh, if you're joining us later on the, the replay or listening to the podcast later, uh, thanks for being here. We really appreciate that. If you want to be part of the live experience, uh, it's an experience. And you can find that at <laughs> facebook.com slash podcast editors mastermind. Um, I'm Brian Ensminger. You can find me at toptieraudio.com. Below me is Daniel Avendroth. And you can find me at rothmedia.audio. And Tony, do you want to tell everybody where to find you? I'm Tony Bombs. You can find me at AppaloosaMedia.com or pretty much any social media, Appaloosa Media. Excellent. Uh, and unable to join us this week was Carrie Eric. We are very hopeful that she'll be able to join us for our next recording. Uh, if you want to find her, it's at yayapodcasting.com. She has courses and editing and shirts and stuff. Like You just totally need <laughs> to check that out. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate you being here.